0: Hey everyone, this is James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems and BikeJames.com and welcome to another Riding for a Lifetime podcast. In this podcast, I'm going to go over the strength training basics for the 40 plus year old rider. Basically, what are the the basic parameters that you want to be looking for with a strength training program? There's a lot of different things that you can do, but there's some basic things that you want to make sure that you are doing. So, Uh, Whether you're designing your own workout program or you are trying to evaluate a good workout program for you to follow, if you understand what some of these basic things are, then it can help you make better decisions. And so I wanted to share these things with you today. Uh, in this podcast so first of all why do you care why do you you know why do you need to know this stuff as a 40 plus year old rider as you get older strength training goes from something that is good to do to something that you must do okay like I think that it's something that you should be doing all the time I've been training since I mean shoot since you know high school I'm going on 30 plus years of, uh, of strength training and I can say that it definitely has helped me in many many different ways but, when we are younger, when you're in your your twenties and thirties, you can get away with not strength training uh, like they say the advantages of youth are wasted on the young, and that is one of the advantages of youth is that you just naturally uh, get and maintain strength and power just as a result of the hormones and and you know just different uh you know things going on in our bodies that allow for us to more easily build and maintain strength and so you don't need to you know you can get away with not doing it again i think that everybody would be better off if they did it uh you're definitely better off if you have been doing it if you know if you get to your 40s and you realize like holy crap i need to start strength training it's definitely not too late but you are behind the eight ball right so if you have been uh training doing strength training consistently throughout your life then you're going to have a lot easier time with uh age-related declines and strength and power and muscle loss that start to really uh influence our ability to do what we want at the levels that we want to do them okay so uh like i said losing you know strength muscle mass power these are all realities once you hit that 40 plus uh mark again it can you know change it's different for everybody but in general once you hit 40 years old at some point you're going to start uh, experiencing these age-related declines in these things and strength training is like the fountain of youth like literally right it is it is going to slow down and even reverse that process so again like i said if you have not been strength training and and doing the stuff up until you know you realize like holy crap i'm getting older i need to do it you can actually reverse where you're at, right? You can gain strength, you can gain power, you can gain muscle mass, um, and if you have been doing it, then you can continue to see gains, uh, you know, in your in your 40s and 50s in some areas. But the main idea is for you to be trying to slow that decline, right? So if you can just maintain your your strength and power and muscle mass uh, as you're getting older for another decade or so, and then as it starts to decline, that decline is slowed down because of strength training, well, you know, this is the, the number one tactic uh, for you. If your goal is to uh, do this for a lifetime, if you want to be able to ride at a, at a reasonable level and enjoy riding, and besides that, just be able to function as a human being and uh, be able to just enjoy being alive uh, and, and all the, the things that it offers us, then you want to get and stay strong and again, this will help you avoid a lot of the age-related physical decline for as long as possible. Again, the the thing that we think about, man, when you you uh, if you if you have a relative or you've seen someone who you know age has just ravaged them, you know they're in their 70s or 80s, and it's like, man, they're just barely able to get around. They're just not very well, you know, high functioning. Um, this is the 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 thing that freaks us out, right? This is the thing that we want to avoid. We look at that and we're like, man, getting old sucks. And yeah, getting old definitely uh, is, you know, not, uh, (laughs) it's going to suck on some level, but it can suck a lot less if you are avoiding these things. It's not age, it's the decline that comes with age that leads to the stuff, right? And so if you're able to avoid that decline for as long as possible and then minimize it, this is where you see the, the people who are still in their 70s, 80s, or 90s, and they're able to uh, get around and function and, and still you know move well and, and interact with their environment in a in a in a positive way, right? They're not just fragile uh, fragile shells of their former self that any perturbance you know any any problem is going to lead to problems for them, right? And so uh, this is our number one way. Strength training is your number one way to avoid that fate. Um, plus strength training will improve your strength, power and muscle mass and that will improve your performance and reduce your risk of injury. So you're not only going to uh insure against future losses, but you will see performance improvements now. So it's not like this is something that you're going to do and it's like, well, just trust me in the future or this will pay off. It's like, no, man, if you uh especially if you have not been following a good strength training program and you start strength training, and following these basic things that i'm going to outline here then you will see improvements in your in your writing in your just ability to to interact with your environment on a day-to-day basis and so you're going to see that today well you know maybe not today if you just start today but you know very quickly in the future you will see these improvements and then it's also acting as like i said insurance against future losses Um, so there are a lot of things that can help, uh, when it comes to strength training. Uh, but if you want to maximize your results and minimize your chances of injury, because again, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If you're hurt, right? If you're following the best, you know, workout program in the world, but it's resulting in you getting hurt uh, or just not being able to follow because of, you know, it just takes too much time and energy, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Like the best program in the world is going to be the best program in the world for you in the context of what's going to work for you. And so that's where, you know, knowing some of these, these basic things will help you make a smarter decision as far as like what is going to help you. Um, so I will say before we get into it, almost anything can work. Right. There's a, 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 a strength coach I've actually had on the podcast before is a really well-known uh, strength coach named Dan John. And he's got a saying that anything works for about six weeks. OK. And that, that's the truth. You can do just about any uh, program out there. Again, there's the extremes where it's either not intense enough or too intense. Right. But, you know, a lot of stuff is going to fall in this middle ground and it's going to work for about six weeks that does not mean that it is the best thing for you to be doing, right? Uh, eventually it will stop working and it may not actually build the type of strength and fitness that you're looking for to improve your mountain biking. So um, again, this is, uh, you know, for example, like you know, CrossFit type workouts are a really good example of this. You know, people start doing these workouts and then they will see results from it, right? And, but after about six to eight weeks, those results are going to start to slow down and eventually the negative, uh, stuff starts to add up. And again, if you're, you know, if you're at a good CrossFit gym that knows what they're doing, then, you know, good for you. But again, a lot of the the CrossFit stuff out there that I continue to see, despite their, uh, you know, uh, um, statements to the contrary about how they've tried to improve their programming, it's still just a fricking shit show. When it comes to what exactly they're trying to accomplish with their workouts. And so again, what they get you better at a lot of times, those, those workouts, they get you better at working out. And if that's not your goal, if your goal is to get better at something specific like mountain biking, then there are better ways to, to go about doing that. Um, but again, like I said, just almost anything can work. But is it really the most efficient use of your time? And is it actually something that's going to set you up for long term success or is it just kind of like a short term uh, thing? Again, if you tell me that, you know, you got six weeks to get in the best shape possible for a mountain bike race or you need to lose as much fat as possible in the next six weeks, you know, we can do some stuff that is going to be pretty extreme that's going to deliver Uh, you know quick results but it's not sustainable and those results are not stable right and so what you're looking for is a sustainable program that's going to deliver stable results something that's actually going to stick around uh, you know if if you have to take some time off it's not you're not gonna see just all go away super quick right Um, so with that in mind here are some some basic guidelines to help you with designing or choosing a training program that is going to help you with that mtb specific fitness and help improve your overall longevity and health because again this is our two goals as a 40 plus year old rider, it's like not only riding better tomorrow, but it's being able to do this into our 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond um, is, is really the goal. So our health and longevity become a big part of the equation as well. So uh, number one, I'm just going to kind of start from the big picture uh, and, and, and then kind of zero in on some specifics when it comes to working out. But uh, starting with the, with the big picture, um, two to four days a week is plenty for you to do strength training. Again, especially if you're a mountain biker, right? If you are riding your bike, then you don't need to be in the gym five plus days a week. And again, if you really enjoy working out and it's your jam and and you know you you've set up recovery and things to be able to do that, like you certainly can get away with working out more, but for most riders that I have worked with. Um, the two to four days a week is plenty, and it's probably closer to two than it is the four for for most people. Now, the more you're riding, and the more important uh, your performance is at riding, the fewer days that you want to lift. Okay, uh, the more you're trying to focus on strength training you know, or building muscle, then uh, the more often you want to lift. And so what this basically breaks down to, to keep it simple, like during the riding season, uh, two days a week is probably going to be plenty. You know, if you're getting out on the trail and you're riding um, two, three, four plus days a week, then two days a week of strength training is going to be uh, plenty. If you're in an off season uh, or there's a period where you're not able to ride as much and or you identify like, hey, I really want to spend a period of time. And this is where the off season comes in, right? It's like, it's not like you stop riding. It's just... You know, if you're working out three to four days a week and your focus is on building strength or muscle, uh, then your workouts are going to affect you, right? They're going to... You you know affect your ability to perform well on the bike, and so if you're wanting to prioritize riding, and you want to make sure that when you're getting on the bike, you feel as fresh as possible, and you're able to perform as well as possible, then you still need to strength train, but you're prioritizing riding, and that's where you know the the fewer days a week comes in, and if you're prioritizing your strength uh building strength in or muscle then you're saying like hey i know sometimes when i get on the bike i'm going to be a little sore and tired from working out but that's okay that's this period of time that i am uh i i've made a conscious decision for that to to be the case right and that's where you would you know up the up the volume right doing three to four days a week um in the off season again if you're not riding at all right you're you're in a period where you know the weather whatever's just got you not able to ride then you know definitely you know the more you're getting able to get into the gym the uh the better so um but again two to four days a week in general is going to be plenty for for most of us you don't have to be hitting the gym you know four five six days a week to to see results um again three is kind of that sweet spot i think that if you're able to get to the gym consistently three days a week that that is going to really be good for the vast majority of people listening to this year round right whether it's the riding season or not and again i'll I'll explain more about kind of how you can um, you know, lift three days a week, both in the off season and the, in the in season, and just kind of modify and, and, and moderate what you're doing within the the training sessions to reflect our goals. Again, if we're if our goal is to be able to ride as much as possible and feel uh, like our performance on the bike is is best, then you know then we need to be lifting in a way that allows that, and and vice versa, right? So, um, so when we are lifting, right, this brings us to our second piece of advice. You want to focus on big compound movements, right? So again, we don't want to be training like a bodybuilder where we're doing a bunch of isolation exercises for our body parts. It's not the best way to, to, to do it as an athlete, which you are an athlete if you're training for mountain biking. Um, but with that in mind, doing some isolation exercises is not going to make you dysfunctional and it can be beneficial in some cases. And again, I think that, you know, I've talked about this uh, before how just my own personal experience, I feel like I... Uh, with myself and and the people that I worked with, um, really kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater when it came to quote unquote, functional training. And anything that was an isolation movement was viewed as non-functional and and really had no place in my program. And as I've gotten older and, you know, got a little bit more experience and just kind of learned more, I realized that that was probably uh, unnecessary, that there is a a time and a place for some isolation exercises. So again, the vast majority of your, your lifts, you want to be focused on getting stronger or doing more volume, which you know is, is your sets and reps with the main movement patterns and the exercises that that train them, right? So your squat, your hinge, which is like your deadlift type movement, pushing, pulling, carrying weight, um, rotation, either creating or resisting rotation. Like these are the six, like kind of foundational skills, movement skills that you want to be working on. And you can also break these down into bilateral and unilateral movements, right? So you can have squats and you can have lunges. You can have deadlifts and then single leg deadlifts. You can have your uh, bench press and then single arm uh, dumbbell bench press, right? Like, so you can also break these up uh, into, like I said, like unilateral and bilateral uh, exercises as well. But these, those six things the squat, hinge, push, pull, carry, and rotate like, these are the six core things that you want to be, make sure that you are addressing in your workout program and, 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 you know, the big compound movements that uh, work these things are going to make up the bulk of your training program. But like I said, doing some isolation exercises, like doing some bicep curls, doing some tricep extensions, doing some shrugs or calf raises, um, you know, some some lateral raises, like these are not going to suddenly make you dysfunctional right, especially if, if the bulk of what you're doing are, are functional compound movements, then you're definitely not going to, to to create problems by doing some isolation, quote unquote, isolation exercises. And the thing with the, the isolation stuff, again, you know, you can do it in a way that it doesn't uh, elicit a, a lot of isometric tension in the body, right, if you're doing some sort of machine type thing, which again, I'm not saying never do. But, you know, if you can be doing um, something that still requires your body. So let's say you're doing like a bicep curl and you're doing a standing bicep curl, then your body has to isometrically contract to create the platform for you to curl around. And I think that that, that isometric strength that you get from that is something that we really discounted. As this is one of the reasons that I feel that uh, isolation exercises kind of got uh, you know we we swung the pendulum too far the other direction. That having isolation exercises in your program helps to build this total body isometric strength because again it's not like you know the rest of your body is just relaxed and doing nothing while you're doing bicep curls like your your the rest of your body is having to uh, to organize itself in a way to create the, the isometric platform for you to create the, the movement around. And there's still value in that. And you can also use this for doing some muscle building um, and, and muscle preservation. Uh, again, another thing that I've I've talked about a lot when you hit that 40-plus mark, there uh, there is muscle wasting, right? There's a fancy word for it, uh, sarcopenia or something like that, uh, which is the, the fancy scientific term for age-related muscle wasting. And so you do need to think about building and preserving muscle as you get older. Again, this is another big distinction between training for a 40-plus-year-old rider versus a younger rider. Is a younger rider, you know, again, it's, it's not you know hurtful for them to think about building some muscle but it's not as important for them because they're just naturally going to retain their muscle mass uh, versus an older rider who's naturally going to lose muscle mass and so you have to be doing some things to offset that and so doing some isolation you know bodybuilder type movements will help with that Uh, so again I think that while the bulk of what you're doing needs to be compound functional lifts there is room for some isolation stuff, some bodybuilding stuff. And, you know, just getting a pump in your arms is always kind of fun. So, you know, again, you're not going to turn into a dysfunctional athlete just because you did a few isolation exercises. So um, so that's the second point. The, the third one um, is you want to do a variety of set and rep schemes. But you want the bulk of your set and reps to focus on two to four sets of three to eight reps um so two to four sets is enough volume to build strength and power without excessive fatigue and so you want to do just enough to trigger a response in the body because remember it's recovery is an important aspect of of your uh, results right so training actually breaks us down recovery is what builds us up so you want to do the minimal effective dosage what is the least amount that you need to do to see the best results and so for the vast majority of people it's going to be two to four sets it's going to be plenty for them to see results um, and you know the, again the, the way that you kind of figure this out is start with two sets And if you're doing two sets and you're feeling like no fatigue and no soreness um, from your workouts, then go to three sets and see how that feels. So there is something to just assessing how a workout makes you feel. Again, you're not looking to feel trash and excessively sore, but you should feel like you did something, right? Your body should feel some sort of fatigue and and some, some minor soreness from a, a good workout. So like I said, uh, you can find the volume that's gonna work for you. Uh, three to eight reps is going to cover the strength and power in. And again, th- there's a lot of uh, variables that go with this, but in general, the lower the reps, the more you're focusing on strength, the higher the reps, the more you're focusing on hypertrophy and, and muscle building and maybe some, some local muscle endurance. And so, you know, where exactly, you know, you fall, there's some individual differences there uh, for sure. But for us as mountain bikers, what we're looking for is building strength and power and maintaining or, you know, dabbling in building some, some extra muscle mass. And so that three to eight rep range is going to do that. You're going to be low enough uh you know in the the three to six range to be uh working on your your strength and when you start getting into like the six seven eight reps you're still doing some strength but that's starting to become enough volume for you to start stimulating some some muscle growth and so if you're spending your time between three to eight reps and you're going to be hitting the both ends of what you're looking for for the most part Um, so I'd recommend spending 80% of your training time in that rep range and the other 20% can fall into a higher rep range. So going up to like 10, 15, 20, even 30 reps per set is, is totally fine. But again, a low amount of volume of this, so like 20% of what you're doing could fall into this higher rep range area. Um, I don't really recommend going lower than three reps, uh, which is why I don't recommend spending a a certain percentage of time lower than that. Um, Again, there's time and place for it. You can certainly do it. But in general, the risk to benefit ratio isn't high enough for me to be comfortable with recommending that for most riders, right? Like you're just trying to do a single or a double uh, on a exercise like a squat or a deadlift, um, the, the intensity level, the amount of weight that you're moving, like this is where your risk of injury is going to be the highest. And so, uh, again, it's really just the risk to benefit ratio just isn't really there. Again, every once in a while, if you want to, you know, load it up and and test yourself and kind of see where you're, you uh, you know, I wouldn't recommend going to a true one rep max. There's really no reason for that. um, but you know, just kind of seeing like what you know where you're at with stuff is not uh, not the worst thing in the world. But you don't need to be spending a lot of time doing one to two reps per set. Uh, three reps is going to be plenty low enough for you to be stimulating strength uh, gains. And so, like I said, if you're spending the bulk of your time in that two to four sets, you know, three to eight reps range, then you're going to be uh, covering what you want to cover. And, you know, in that, with that as well, just thinking about the total reps that you're doing is going to also kind of dictate what kind of results that you're getting from that workout. So if you're doing like 15 reps or less total, right? So if you're doing deadlifts, for example, and we do 15 reps total, so like three sets of five or three sets of uh, nine or three sets of three, which would be like nine reps, right? So if you're... Uh, you know, at that 15 total reps, like if you take your sets times the reps, right, that's going to give you your total volume. And if it's 15 or less, then that's most likely a strength-oriented uh, stimulus that you are creating. If you are, you know, 15 to say like 25 or so, then you're kind of in the in between strength and hypertrophy, I guess what you could call like functional hypertrophy. And then if you're going above, you know, 25 to 30 reps, then you're focusing more on hypertrophy. So this is where like your classic, like three sets of 10, you know, that would be 30 total reps. That's kind of a bodybuilding uh, leaning. You can certainly get stronger, stronger with that, but it's going to be leaning more towards like the hypertrophy end of things. And so thinking about like one phase and I'll I'll talk about this later, but like a phase is like a block of training that you would spend like four to eight weeks focusing on, but having a phase where you're focusing on, uh, you know, lower reps total, right? So 15 total reps, and then a phase where you're focusing on, you know, 15 to 25 reps. And then you have a phase where you're, focusing on you know uh, maybe 30 plus reps and again or or maybe within a workout you can have it to where you've got like your your main exercises where you're focusing on the the lower reps and then you've got a few uh secondary exercises where you're focusing on the higher reps but you just know like when i'm i'm doing my deadlifts i'm doing three sets of three that's a strength stimulus at the end of my workout i'm doing a few bicep curls and i'm doing uh you know three sets of eight which would be 24 reps total, right? Well, that's getting more kind of that functional hypertrophy range. And so just understanding, and this is a good way for you to also kind of tell, like what is a a workout program uh, really working on, right? Like adding up the total sets and reps that they're having you do will give you a good idea of like what are they actually working on here? Because man, they can have a great list of exercises but if they're having you do a high amount of volume with that, then is that really building strength? And odds are no, it's not, right? And so um, doing fewer uh, sets and reps is going to lead to more strength gains. But again, you don't want to be sticking to the same um, sets and reps all the time. But you can change that up, right? Like going from you know uh, two sets of five to three sets of four, right? So you can see how like you can play around with different set and rep combinations and keeping it below that 15 rep uh, max or 15 rep total to keep it in that strength area every once in a while progressing a little higher than that so um, but again that's just you know understanding how to manipulate sets and reps with your exercises is going to go a long way towards helping you make smart decisions and and evaluate programs to see what they're actually working on again if it's supposed to be a strength training program and you're doing 30 40 total reps all the time, then you're not really building strength with that, okay? So, um, but again, it's uh, just kind of depends on, on what works best for you and, and what your, your context is. But in general, uh, if you're wanting to build strength, you need to be getting into that 15 reps or lower total range. Um, so I actually have a, a blog post on my, um, on, on bikejames.com that kind of goes over that. So I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes with this so you guys can kind of see Uh, a little bit more detail about how to look at the total reps and and what that does for you. Uh, So with that, is since we're talking about uh, reps and stuff, you don't need to train to failure to see results. And in my opinion, training to failure should be avoided as a 40-plus-year-old rider. Um, And again, this is one of those those things like, you know, the, the idea of needing to take it to failure or even a little beyond, right, some forced reps or, you know, just whatever to... To, to force the body to respond um, it's just not accurate they've done studies on this there's a lot of science that tells us that you don't need to train to failure to see results you can train to near failure and see the same results while saving your body some wear and tear and also injuring your or lowering your injury risk um, so training within one to three reps of failure right so they call it uh, reps in reserve r-i-r and so if you are training and you stop when you've got one to three reps in reserve, then you're going to be doing plenty, right? This usually occurs when you start to slow down during the concentric or the, the lifting uh, portion of the exercise. So if you go until you feel yourself starting to slow down from the weight and fatigue, then you are in that area, right? As long as you go uh until you start to slow down then you're fine and that's going to be within that that one to three reps in reserve range um leaving one to three reps in reserve is going to help you avoid injury because training to failure is way more likely to result in technical breakdown meaning that your technique is going to break down and that is what can lead to either an acute, right, an immediate injury or an overuse injury. So, you know, if you're, again, going back to deadlifts, if you're doing deadlifts and you're trying to, to go to failure with them and you start to get your, your you know, low back and spine out of position, then you may either injure your back right then and there. Right? Or it may just accumulate wear and tear from being in that bad position over and over and over again until all of a sudden you start to get this, this pain that that gets worse and you start to get an overuse injury. So, um, by avoiding training to failure, that you're going to avoid that. And again, every once in a while, if you want to like just, you know, take it to the limit that's that's fine right but the the vast majority like 80 to 90 percent of the time you should be leaving one to three reps in reserve and so this is actually a good way to um look at building up the intensity of your workouts. And so I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second too, uh, how you can kind of use this idea. But the main takeaway here is you don't have to train a failure. And I would strongly, strongly, strongly recommend against it. Um, as a 40 plus year old rider, I just don't think that the, the benefits uh, outweigh the risks of doing it. Um, so the next thing that I would recommend is to, to focus on a total body or upper body, lower body training split and don't use a body part training split. So using a, a body part training split like a bodybuilder, right? The old school bodybuilder type split where we're training uh, by body parts, right? So we're doing chest and back and legs and biceps. Um, it's a great way to build muscle, right? That's a, there's a reason that bodybuilders use that. But it's not the best way to build functional strength and power. And so what you want to do is you want to focus on the movement patterns Uh, that we talked about earlier and so you want to divide your workouts up based on those movement patterns Uh, i personally use and recommend most of the time that you do a total body training split and so this is where you train a lower and upper body uh, stuff on the same day or you can split the upper body and lower body into different days Um, total body training is usually better best for minimizing soreness and maximizing recovery while the upper slash lower body training split is better for creating more stress in one area, which can deliver better results with proper recovery, um, or it can help riders who recover really well and need more volume to stimulate progress. So remember I was talking about how like if you're not getting sore or feeling any fatigue from your workouts, then you may benefit from doing like an upper body lower body split where you are are just creating more stress in, in one general area uh, to stimulate that that progress Um, so i suggest starting with a total body training split and then trying the upper or you know slash lower body training split if you feel you aren't getting fatigued enough from your workouts but for the vast majority of people a total body training split is going to be fine and so again if we're looking at this from the movement pattern standpoint you've got two lower body movement patterns you've got squat and you've got hinge and so what I would suggest is, is splitting those up, right? So having a squat day and having a hinge day. And then you've got pushing and pulling. And so if you're doing squat and push and pull, and then you're doing a hinge and a push and a pull. And even within the pushing and pulling, you can break that up into horizontal where you're, you're pressing, um, away or pulling in towards your chest. So think like bench press and rows. Um, and also vertical pushing and pulling where you are, uh, pushing and, and pulling in that vertical plane. So think like uh, shoulder press and chin ups, right? And so you could have a training split where you're doing like squats, uh, you know, a bench press and a row on one day. And then the other day you're doing a hinge with a shoulder press and a chin up, right? And so this would be kind of an example of how you could split that up. And then you've also got your, your, your carrying and rotation, uh, stuff and so you could you know split that up or, or you know address both of those on on each day. But um, in general, you want to kind of focus on that that total body training split. So one main lower body exercise or, or movement pattern that you're focusing on, and then uh, your upper body stuff as well. And so um, so that's a, a good way to, to split things up over the week. Uh, don't overdo circuit training. That's the next recommendation that I have. And this is easy to do. Remember, uh, the the point of what we're wanting to do is build strength, okay? And so circuit training is where you are taking three to four or more exercises and doing them in a row before repeating the the circuit, Um, again, for the specified number of sets. And so, you know, if you're doing like, you know, uh, again, we can go back to our example we were just talking about. So let's say that you're doing a squat, a bench press, and a row, and then we'll say like a, a farmer's walk is is a, the carrying exercise, right? So these are, these are like the four main uh, movement skills that you're working on in your workout. And so if you were to do it to where you're doing deadlift, and then you do bench press, and then you do row, and then you do the farmer's walk, and then you when you get done with that, you go back and start over at the top, right? Deadlift, bench press, row, farmer's walk. Deadlift, bench press, row, farmer's walk. This is a really popular way to train because you feel like you're getting a lot of work done in a short period of time and it is a good way to get a lot of work done in a short period of time. But it is not great for building strength and power. Um you are going to be much better off if you are doing straight sets where you're either doing like one exercise, right? So do deadlift and just do deadlift, right? You do your deadlift, you do a set, you rest and then you do another set of deadlifts and you rest. And then you do another set of deadlifts and you rest. And you, and, you know you repeat that two to four times or however many times you're doing in your for your sets. Um, and then you move on to your next exercise. If you are really crunched for time, then you can do a super set where you are doing two exercises. And this works really well if you're doing like um, uh, we call them antagonistic, right? Like so, so opposite. So like a bench press and a row would be good exercises to superset, uh, together. And so you could do a set of bench press, rest for a little bit, do a set of rows, rest for a little bit, come back to bench press. And so that is going to, uh, be better than doing a circuit. And the reason is, is just because of the, the accumulated fatigue, Right? By the time you get done with that whole circuit and you get back to the, the, the first exercise, your body has accumulated systemic fatigue right? Th- throughout your whole body, is uh, built up fatigue. And so that's going to affect your ability to really display strength and power on that exercise. And if you're wanting to get stronger, then again, you look at how strong people lift, power lifters, Olympic weightlifters, strong men, they're not doing circuits. Right? they are doing straight sets and, and potentially super sets um, but they're making sure that they get plenty of rest in between their sets and they are um, you know able to put a good effort into it and so don't try to turn your strength training into cardio training by focusing overly focusing on circuit training right again like I, I like circuit training but what I'll tend to do is use circuit training, for like the last bit of my workout. So, I'll start out with, you know, uh my my top, you know, two three exercises uh that I'm doing and I will do straight sets or perhaps uh like I said a super set where I'm I got two exercises I'm alternating back and forth. And then my last grouping of exercises, what I call a secondary circuit, is where I'll use a circuit, right? So, I'll do like three or four exercises and I'll do them in a circuit fashion cuz so I'm I'm not as worried about building my strength and power with them. They're they're, you know, there for uh kind of secondary reasons, right? That's why we call it the secondary circuit. And so, um, but that's a good uh good thing to keep in mind. Again, if you're looking at a, a strength training program and it is very circuit heavy, then it's not really effectively building strength, right? It it uh you may be getting a ton of work done, but it's not building strength in a super effective way. Um and again the the truth is like you don't need to get you don't need that many exercises in each workout. Like three to six exercises is plenty for most people. It is way better to focus on less and do it better, especially as you get older. Okay, so again, if you're just to have like your your you know three or four exercises and you're either doing them in straight sets or you got a couple supersets, that's plenty, right? So if you're if you have a, tra- a training program and they're trying to get you to do Ten plus exercises, and then yeah, they're gonna have to use circuits because otherwise the, the freaking workout's gonna take forever, right? But it's just you're you're that's not a super effective way to build strength, right? And and we don't need to be working on cardio with strength. We're getting plenty of cardio with riding our bike, and if we're doing specific cardio training. Um, but when we're in the gym and we're working on strength training, we need to be focused on getting stronger. And so circuits will actually, uh, an over-reliance on circuit training, again, it makes you feel like you're getting a bunch of work done, gets you breathing hard, makes you feel like, oh, this is, you know, working on my endurance too, but I I, I promise you, you will see way better results if you cut back on the amount of circuits you're doing and focus, uh, you know, especially your core exercises at the beginning of your workout, focus on straight sets or uh or supersets right where you've got two exercises paired together is going to work way better for you um another piece of advice that i have is to use isometrics to help round out your strength and safeguard your health so isometrics are exercises where you create tension but you don't create movement okay i've, I've done several uh podcasts and and got some different articles going over isometrics and all the different benefits and the reasons they're a great idea so you can go check those out on bikejames.com um but the you know at at its core isometrics have a lot of benefits for us and you know it is, isometric strength that is the basis for stabilization strength and so if you want a strong stable platform to create strength and power from, the stronger you are isometrically, the stronger you're going to be able to or the, the more you're going to be able to display that strength and power. Um isometrics is also a great way to practice good breathing habits during high tension efforts which translate extremely well to the trail. So again, you're not moving right? You're just, uh, you're, you're creating tension without movement, which means that you don't have to focus on form. You don't have to focus on, you know, moving the right way. Like once you kind of get set, you want to make sure you stay set, right? You don't want to be like losing tension in, in areas and putting in areas that you don't want it. But you can really focus on tying your breathing into your tension and creating tension through your breathing. And again, that is a invaluable skill. On the trail, um, isometrics have also been shown to help with uh, high blood pressure. Uh, you know, as good or better than, than uh, blood pressure medication. Um, isometric strength has also been linked to fewer traumatic brain injuries. And so, uh, again, like isometric neck strength. Uh, again, there was a study that came out here in the last like year or so that showed that the higher higher levels of isometric neck strength resulted in lower incidences of, of traumatic brain injuries in, I forget if it was soccer or football or something. But um, but anyway, so, uh, and then also longevity, right? Like your your grip strength, like isometric grip strength is one of these things that they measure when they're looking at longevity. And it's been found that um, as you get older, the higher your isometric grip strength is, generally speaking, the higher functioning you are as a human. Uh, as well and so um, just again from our our health and longevity standpoint we're going to be seeing benefits from improving and maintaining our isometric strength and isometric strength like you know the everything else out there right like if you want to get better at something specifically you have to train that so while regular strength training will improve isometric strength to some degree several studies have shown that the best way to improve isometric strength is through isometrics okay so if you really want to maximize the results from isometrics then you need to be doing some sort of isometric training um, so uh isometrics are uh, a great way to train movement patterns that you can't train with weights so either because you don't have enough equipment or or you have a a previous or current injury. So again, going back to like our deadlift example, if you don't have access to uh, heavy weights, right, you do need to create high levels of tension in order to stimulate strength. So just doing a bunch of reps with bands or you know light dumbbells or kettlebells is not going to build strength. You need something to to actually create high levels of tension. And so if you don't have access to, to the weights to do uh, a relatively heavy deadlift with, then you can use a towel or some other uh, you know type of strap that you can pull on and isn't going to break and you know get it set up. And again, I've got different videos and stuff on my uh, at bikejames.com that you can see for some different uh, exercise ideas. But you can create an exercise where you can create high levels of tension in this movement pattern and so again if you find yourself stuck without equipment like okay i i'm able to work out at home i've got a little bit of equipment or even no equipment at all right there's great body weight exercises and things that you can do but at some point if you want to get stronger you have to you know Uh, expose your body to high levels of tension and so isometrics are a great way to do that and also if you have an injury right so let's say if your low back gives you problems whenever you do heavy deadlifts well then you can use isometrics to still train that that deadlift movement pattern that hip hinge movement pattern, expose your body to high levels of tension but do it in a very safe way because you're not creating movement you're not putting the same type of stress on your joints and so you can uh, you know enjoy the benefits without the risk. Um, and also if you have like a current injury right if you're you're nursing something you're coming back from an injury isometrics are a great way to start reintroducing your body to creating tension in these movement patterns but do it in a safe uh safe way so uh you know if you're healthy and what i mean by that is if you don't have a lot of injuries like there's people that i have worked with that just are so banged up or just have other things going on that it's like man the vast majority of what you're going to do is going to be isometrics right like you're going to do two to three days a week of mostly isometrics and they see great results from it right because for their context that's what's best for them Um, but again if you're relatively healthy then I would I'd recommend doing at least one day a week of isometric training to round out your strength and longevity program so if you're training three days a week which is what like I said, I recommend most people shoot for that's going to be two days of movement-based training where you're doing kind of your more traditional exercises where you're creating movement, and then one day where you're doing isometrics. And so that's a great uh, combination, right? A great way to to uh, use everything to your advantage um, as a forty-plus year old rider. The uh, next thing I wanted to talk about is building up the intensity of your workouts over several weeks. So you don't want to come out and go as hard as you can in week one of a new program. This is a big problem that I see with people. They're all excited. You know, hey, I got a new workout program. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get after it, right? But the problem is this, this leaves you no room to improve and you're going to be maxing out your recovery abilities really soon, right? So if you go in the gym week one and you just get after it and you walk out of there and you're like, man, I, you know, went to failure on, on everything. Well, what are you going to do the next week? right? Like you, you want to give yourself room to, to build up and gain momentum. And again, you know, if you want to know how to get stronger, look at how the strongest people in the world train. And when you look at strength athletes, you know, powerlifters, weightlifters, strongmen, how they train, they build momentum into their max efforts. They're not in the gym maxing out every day, right? Like they will start below their their max levels and systematically build up and build momentum into those max levels and again they do this because they they have found that you're going to end better right so if you've got eight weeks and you started easy in week one and built momentum into the end of the program by week eight you're going to be lifting more weight and you're going to be in way better condition uh, physically and mentally than if you went in week one and maxed out and then just tried to like hang on with your freaking fingernails Uh, To the end of of week eight, like you're you're probably going to end up losing strength and and going backwards at some point if you do that. So uh, you want to start out easy in week one, moderate in week two, and then hard in week three. And then week four should be a deloading week where you are backing off to give your body a chance to recover from the hard week. So only one out of every four weeks should be really hard where you're pushing yourself near your limits and so a good way to think about this is also to use that reps in reserve idea we talked about earlier right so week one leave three reps in reserve right feel like you get to the point where you you could do three more reps and that's when you rack the weight week two leave two reps in reserve and week three leave one rep in reserve or you know go to failure if you must um and then like i said week four you back off again you go back to the three reps in reserve um, cut back maybe a little bit on the weight and the volume, um, you know, uh, a, a little less weight, maybe one less set. And so again, you're trying to deload and give your body a chance to recover from that hard effort that you put in in week three. But again, if you do this, if you, you know, build up intensity, like I'm, I'm recommending here, you're going to end up way stronger. And you're going to do it in a way that's way more sustainable. Because remember, like what we're after something that's sustainable and delivers stable results and so that's the the best way to do it um the other thing that i recommend is to change your workouts every four to eight weeks with longer periods with the same workout being better um i'm convinced that we change workouts far too often okay and in part of this there's just there's a, a psychology that goes into the fitness field um, where, you know, Hey, every month we're going to get a new workout, uh, sheets. I mean, some freaking programs, like I was talking about CrossFit earlier, like they're giving you a new workout every time you come in the gym for the most part. And so, uh, but the reality is, is that you would be better off sticking with the same workout program and changing it up every six to eight weeks. As long as you're able to continue to progress, right? As long as you're, as you're adding load and or reps, there isn't a huge need to change workouts. Like, you know, your your body is not going to stop seeing results because you did the same exercises for eight weeks. Like, trust me, that is not going to happen. In fact, you're going to see better results if you are following the the uh, intensity recommendation I just made where you're building up, right, to, you know, easy in week one, moderate week two, hard in week three, deload in week four. I guarantee you the odds are super high that you could go through that cycle one more time and actually, end up lifting more weight and doing more reps uh, the second time through it on that that third hard week, right? And so you could be you could go through it uh, up to eight weeks and still be delivering results. I mean, you could do it longer than that if you wanted, right? As long as you are still seeing progress, there's no need to have to change what you're doing, right? And we're after strength here, and strength is is a skill. And the more often you're able to practice the the exercises the more often you're able to practice the skill behind them, the stronger you're going to get with them. And so uh, longer periods of time means more chances to build that skill behind the exercises you're doing, which this builds mastery, and it also lowers your chance of injury, right? Because if you think about it, the uh, th- like the first week of a new workout is usually the worst. There's another reason that I recommend not going balls out first weekend because you're going to be the most sore from the new exercises and the new loading parameters, right? And so uh but that soreness is going to interfere with your ability to ride well, to, you know, to do other things. And so again, it, it's, it needs to happen, right? But if you're able to do that every eight weeks instead of every four weeks, I mean you've literally cut in half the amount of time that you're spending, you know, uh super sore and 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 you know slightly crippled from a new workout program. And so uh, this is going to leave you feeling better when you're riding and just dur- during your everyday life. So there's a lot of benefits from from dragging this this out longer than four weeks. Again, if four weeks is is the minimum that I would recommend that you stick with the the same workout program. I definitely would not recommend changing things up more often than that. Uh, but you can I, I would recommend exploring longer. Uh, training or, or periods with a workout program as a, as a 40 plus year old rider, you're probably going to find that you'll know, benefit from it and feel better from it as well. Uh, so my last piece of advice is to not to, to not look to social media um, for, well, don't lift for social media and don't look to social media for new ideas. And again, I, there, there's definitely very smart people out there that um, have great uh, great stuff to, to share. And, but a lot of the stuff that you see on social media, especially from these fitness influencers, which means basically that like they haven't done shit. They just are look good and they make cool videos and you know, they're not really like, you know, that, like you want to make sure that you're taking advice from people who not only look good themselves, um, and, and ride good themselves, but have trained other people to do it as well. Like if, if, you know, you just looking at what someone has done themselves is nowhere near as valuable for you as looking at what they've been able to do with other people. And so it's another reason, you know, you look at some of the best coaches in sports. They're not the best players, right? Like Michael Jordan didn't make a great coach. Um, your, Your best coaches were usually mediocre to average players uh who really had to like dig down and study and figure out like the the intricacies of what they were doing because they weren't naturally talented and then they were able to pass those lessons on to other players that they worked with and help produce good players and good athletes that way so um again sometimes the most naturally gifted and talented People make the worst coaches because things just come so easy for them that they never really had to dig down and figure out exactly what's going on and why what makes them successful. And so, uh, like I said, lifting for social media, man, the, the probably my number one thing that I see with this is people doing fucking box jumps, man. Like, you do not need to be piling boxes, stuff as high as you can and seeing how high you can jump on a box. Like, I have, oh God, it makes me cringe. I have seen... Just so many just cringy uh, attempts by people. I don't know whether a trainer told them to do it or they're just again doing it for the gram or whatever. But they are trying to jump up on boxes that they can barely get on, and they either barely make it or they don't make it. And then it's like you know you, you don't want, like I said if you're hurt, it doesn't matter how fit you are. So if you bang up your shins and hurt your knee. Uh, screwing up some sort of like box jump that you were trying to record to impress everybody on Instagram, man, you're an idiot, right? Like that is not a, a good trade off uh, for you. So, you know, trying to look cool on social media, that's a young person's game, right? Let, let those fricking let, let them play that game right? So, uh, you know, you don't need to be maxing out your deadlift or trying to jump up on a bunch of boxes and recording that and and posting it, okay? That'll just get you in trouble over time. Um, And again, like I said, the stuff that you see on social media, most of the time is there to get likes and to look cool. And it's probably not the most productive use of your time. So stick with the basics and weigh the risk to benefit ratio when you try new things and, and just you know, for God's sake, stop trying to jump up on freaking high boxes. Like you can do a box jump and jump onto a box. It doesn't have to be testing your, your limits, right? Like, uh, you know, power is best developed at like, you know, uh, 50 to 80%, uh, maybe sometimes even a little less than that, right? Like, but you going like 90 to 100% is not developing power, right? Like that's testing the power that you have, but you're not building more power by doing that and so uh you know if you want to do box jumps for some reason just make sure that it's something that you can comfortably jump up on like you can jump higher than the box and land on it right so um again that's just that's one of my pet peeves is is seeing uh you know mountain bike athletes setting up and trying to do these box jumps and it's just like dude this is you guys are uh you know wasting your time and potentially hurting yourselves for nothing um with that so uh, all right, so to finish out here, what does all of this look like in real life, right? I just gave you guys a bunch of advice; it's you know kind of ideas, but what does that look like in a concrete program? And so, what I'm I'm going to do? You'll find in the show notes, I'll include a link that will have a current program that I am using for myself, um, and you'll see that this program format is also very similar to what I use. In my online training programs, especially the ultimate MTB workout program. And what you'll, you'll see when you look at the, at the workout is you're going to see one power exercise. So one exercise at the beginning where we're, we're focused on moving quickly against a sub max load, right? I'm not trying to lift heavy. I'm trying to lift quickly with it. And so one power exercise. I've got two main exercises that are an upper body and a lower body lift. And then I've got three or four secondary exercises that hit other movements or muscle groups that I want to target. And I do those in a circuit fashion. And so, uh, you'll see that I'm using straight sets for the first three exercises, the power and the main exercises, and then circuit training for the last group of exercises. Sometimes I will, like I said, do a, a superset. So, um, I may do like a, you know, a combined uh, a couple exercises together. So if I'm doing like, um, you know, deadlift and, and shoulder press, I may combine those together. So instead of having straight sets where I do all deadlifts and then I do all, all shoulder presses, I may do a set of deadlifts and then a set of shoulder presses and then a set of deadlifts. But again, I'm not having like three, four different exercises and I'm giving myself plenty of rest. You know, as far as like rest intervals go, um, I guess I probably should have touched on this as well, but like you want to wait until you're able to catch your breath right? The, they call it the, the talk test. And right, we should all be familiar with this as, as mountain bikers. We talk about the talk test as being something that you use during cardio training to to let you know when you are getting close to your, your uh, anaerobic threshold. And so if you're still panting hard and can't talk without having to take some deep breaths, you're not recovered enough to start strength training again. And so you wanna wait until you've recovered your breathing, you're able to pass that talk test, then you're able to move on and go to the next exercise. Um, because again, this is strength training. We're not trying to turn strength training into cardio training. So don't be trying to keep a high pace uh, and turn this into something that it, it, it's not supposed to be. Um, so, I, like I said, after like six to eight weeks of this routine, I'll switch it up by changing the exercises uh, the sets and reps, but the same basic outline, uh, for the most part, I'm going to, I'm going to follow, which is a power exercise, um, two to three main lifts for my, my core, uh, movement patterns. And then a secondary, uh, circuit, you know, three to four exercises working on some other things that I want to target. And again, if I'm short on time, that secondary circuit is what I cut out, right? I'll get in the gym. I'll make sure I get in the first. Uh, you know, uh, three, three or four main lifts. And then, you know, I can cut out the secondary stuff and, and be fine. Um, so these are the basic parameters that I focus on with my own training and the clients who I work with who are in the 40 plus crowd. Uh, focusing on doing fewer things, but at a higher level of focus and mastery is one of the themes that I try to push with these workouts. It's not about doing more stuff. It's about doing less stuff, but doing it better. Okay. You can, and you should train hard as a 40 plus year old athlete. You just have to be smarter about when and how you push yourself to the limit. And obviously hard is a context, right? Like contextually hard for a 40 plus year old athlete is going to be different than for a 20 something year old athlete, but it should still, you know, just because you're older, uh, and nursing some injuries and stuff is not an excuse to not Find ways to train hard and continue to challenge the body in ways that make and keep it uh, strong. So um, you can find more training tips like this at uh, bitejames.com. uh You can also sign up for the my newsletter there, where I send you out an email when I'm posting new uh, new podcasts and new articles and videos. And I've also got several free uh, workouts and guides that I offer there. So if you want to check out. know kettlebell training or bodyweight training or dumbbell training um you know i've got several different free workouts that you can sign up for there to to check out so again if you want to see kind of how i you know use these parameters that i've laid out in different ways and then you can go get a free sample and see what i do uh, by signing up there um you can also find the training programs that i've created using these principles um, especially my 40 plus year old MTB rider training program. That is the only training program out there that incorporates uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about here, like isometrics. Um, breath work is another thing. I didn't talk about this here, but breath work is something that can really help improve your cardio, improve your overall, uh, you know, mental well being, um, improve your. Uh, you know, just a a bunch of different things, a lot of benefits to doing breath work. And so the 40 plus year old rider program incorporates breath work, isometrics, strength training, you know, all this stuff into a comprehensive training program for the 40 plus year old rider. Um, So, you know, covers the cardio, mobility, everything that you need to ride better today, and also to achieve our goal of riding for a lifetime. Uh, Lastly, I want to remind you to check out the Catalyst Pedal at pedalinginnovations.com that is the pedal that i invented based on actual science and movement principles it's the world's only pedal designed to provide the natural support that your foot needs which relieves a lot of pain a lot of bike related pain and it improves performance i mean it's almost every not a week goes by that we don't get an email from someone telling us how the catalyst pedal has helped their riding Uh, especially from a pain relief standpoint. You know, people that have done everything. They've had the bike fits. They've done all the different inserts. They've done everything that the bike industry tells them that they're supposed to do and they're still hurting, they're still suffering pain and then they switch to the catalyst pedal and because they get the natural foot support that their foot needs, it now starts to let their body function more naturally and takes a lot of that stress off of you know sensitive areas like the, the, the ankle, the Achilles tendon, knees, low back. And so uh, a lot of that cycling related pain is probably related to your pedals. And so if you fix that, you're gonna fix the pain. And it also, like I said, improves your performance, you'll be able to pedal with more power, you're gonna have more stability on the downhills, um, able to corner better, just across the board, you're you're gonna function better on your bike because you are stabilizing your foot in the best way possible. Uh, So again, you can check out the Catalyst Pedal at pedalinginnovations.com. So that's it for now, Uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to uh, to, to let me share some info with you guys. Um, again, if you have any questions or comments about this, you can hit me up at james at bikejames.com. I'm always happy to help. And uh, yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this one and I will talk to everybody next time.